There is nothing that we can do to cause God to love us any less or any more than he already does. That's his true agape love. And it, it really is that simple. We can't disappoint him so much that he doesn't love us anymore. We can't buy his love with works. He's just so happy that you've turned to him. He's right there. No matter how far you run from him, you turn around and he's right there. But we have to have the courage to give it to him. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and, hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hi friend, I'm glad you've chosen to listen to this episode of the podcast, because today I'm talking with Natasha Owens. Natasha has a brand new album set to release this month, and we're going to get a preview of the project, plus hear a story or two behind some of the songs on the album. But more important than her new album is the story of how God has brought her through severe depression. You see, her dad was killed accidentally, and that sent Natasha into a real deep, dark spiral. She wasn't sure how she was going to get out of it. Natasha shares about the importance music played and continues to play in her healing, uh, not only going through depression, but through some tough life experiences. But she also shares how her community, specifically her pastor, helped her out of that season of depression. I think that this is going to be a good episode for us all to hear, whether we're going through depression ourselves, or maybe we know somebody who is going through that and maybe learn how we can help out. We're going to get to our interview in just a minute, but I'm honored to have Doug Hoffman here again. Doug is the executive director of Mercy Inc. And today we're going to talk about the country of Haiti and a medical clinic that you're working with down there. Tell us about what's going on in Haiti. Thanks, Dave. I've traveled all around the world. I've been to, to the what I consider the poorest countries of the world mm-hmm. uh, until I got to Haiti. And Haiti, by far, is the poorest country that I know. Uh, people live in poverty. The sewage uh, it runs in the street. Oh. Political upheaval. Uh, no jobs. I mean, it's just a very, very difficult one. But we work alongside Bethesda Medical Clinic, and they've been in place for the last sixty plus years in Cape Haitian which is in Northern Haiti. Okay. And that clinic is, is there, it nurtures people, it heals people. And as they're being healed, there's also a spiritual element to it because not only do they want to heal them physically, they also want to heal them spiritually. So how does that happen? I mean, if I'm sick and I go to this clinic, I'm here there to get my, my toe fixed or whatever. You're going to get your toe fixed, okay? But with it, they're also going to be talking about the healing power of Jesus. And, and one real example I just love to tell is the story really of a voodoo doctor, which is very common in North Haiti as voodoo doctors are there and they're the healing ones, but you know, they oftentimes can't heal themselves. Oh, right. And Dr. Rodney loves to tell the story. One coming in, he, he happened to have diabetes. Uh, and he just, he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and he couldn't, it just wouldn't change. And they, they immediately diagnosed what the disease was that was diabetes. But he also said, this is the healing power of Jesus can we talk about Jesus? And they prayed with him. He accepted Christ. Oh, wow. 
And also they figured out how to control his diabetes. So he was healed physically and spiritually. Also then the voodoo doctor had to give up his, his, his business oh, yeah. because he was following Jesus. Wow. And uh, so it creates another issue of how to create jobs for this <laughs> yeah. very talented voodoo doctor. So. If somebody wanted to be involved in Bethesda Medical Clinic through Mercy, how would they do that? So Mercy is helping. I happen to sit on the board of directors for the Bethesda Medical Clinic. And as I sit on there, I'm also in charge with the fundraising aspect. We are working to build a new clinic. We're needing to move from the current property we have. And the buildings are 60 years old. So they're needing to be replaced. We have a new piece of ground. We are in the process of raising funds uh, to build this new clinic, to be able to continue for the next 60, 100 years to provide medical care into this North Cape Haitian uh, community in Haiti. And so to do that, they can just log on to mercycompassion.org. Correct. And there's a place there that they could either go on a trip or support. Go on to mercycompassion.org. Uh, and as you go on to there, you also see a donate button. Hit that donate button and our screen will pop up and you can donate to Haiti. Uh, indicate in the little description box, uh, it's for the Haiti construction. Uh, and also indicate if you're interested in going on a trip, yes, just say that in that little box too. And we'll be in contact with you. We'd love to have you go on a trip. Well, I'm really excited today to welcome a newer-to-me artist. Uh, Natasha's been around for a while, has been making music for almost eight years. But uh, my first time getting to talk with Natasha. So, Natasha Owens, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Dave. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We had kind of a mix-up yesterday, but hey, technology, <laughs> get, get time zones right, and uh, here we are. <laughs> That's right. We made it. Yeah. Well, why don't you, for my benefit and maybe for the benefit of some folks who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of a background into who you are and a little bit about your music. Well, you know, I have a story for sure. You know, the scripture says that we shall overcome by the word of our testimony. And yeah. boy, do I have a testimony. I was raised in music all of my life, come from a musical family, but suffered from severe anxiety. So mm. I didn't ever want to do anything other than just be a part of a choir or a praise team. I never wanted to stand uh, forward in any kind of ministry position. I could barely talk in front of people. And um, my dad, uh, you know, kind of set in my career having kids. We live in Texas. Life is great. And 10 years ago, my dad was cleaning his guns and was just dealing with a dangerous gun sitting at a table and it went off and hit him in the heart. <sighs> and so life as I knew it was gone. Yeah. Uh, I was the oldest and felt like I had to pull the family with my strength and my strength for my kids. And I just stayed busy and kind of kept things out of mind and didn't really know how to deal with them. And to my detriment, I pushed them along too far. And on the year mark, I down spiraled into a deep depression oh. and went so quickly. I, I didn't even know what had hit me. Yeah. And I was so angry. I put myself in that because I, um, the things that I spoke, I was so angry at God and I questioned why and why is such a dangerous question because nine times out of 10, you won't get an answer. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't get an answer, I got very angry and I spoke anger. I spoke hate and that down spiraled my mind quickly into depression. And six months into my depression, my pastor called and said, I need you to step up and be our music minister. Oh, wow. We need one. Wow. And I said, I, don't have any time for you. If I had time, I would give it to my kids. Everything's going to this depression. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, 
he kept calling and he kept calling and I kept going a little further uh, into the dark. And he called on a day that I can, I can honestly say I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for God crossing my path when he did. Hmm. He called and he said, I don't want you to say a word. I just want you to listen. And that's what I have a hard time doing sometimes is just listening. You <laughs> I know? think a lot I'm of a us Southern, are that way. <laughs> Southern female, I definitely know how to talk. Um, so I listened to him and he said, I feel like this is your last lifeline. God always gives a lifeline out, but I feel like that you are about to not be savable. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you'll just step out of your darkness, step out of your storm and get past your circumstance and do something that God wants you to do in return, he's going to heal you. And I just have one question for you. Do you, are you tired of feeling the way that you're feeling? Wow. And he just said the right things. God said the right things. Yeah. And I said, well, here I am. I'm so far from God and I feel like I can't open up my Bible. I can't pray. Is that the type of music minister that you want? <laughs> and he said, it's the type that God wants and it will be a process. You just mm -hmm. have to trust him. He said, I see you on the platform every week ministering and God is giving you an unending flow that you didn't think you had. And in return, he's, he will heal you. Well, that's huge, Natasha, because number one, by your words, you're kind of not a upfront person, and now you're even deeper, darker into the pit of anger and hurt and despair and all of that. And to know that the answer is to be in front of people, I mean, what went through your <laughs> mind in all of that? You know, at that moment, it was just, I was so tired. That was the word that, that, the only word I can use, I was so tired yeah. that I just needed strength. And this seemed to, he was saying the right words to me. And this just seemed an answer to it. And I really didn't think about what all came with that. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I just, it was just like a, a lifeline that I was hanging on to and get me to the shore and then let reality set in. And it did set in. I mean, I had a very tough time. I wasn't equipped for that position. I, I, I can't play, but I can hear music by ear. Okay. And so I, I labeled a keyboard and all the keys and I would play out. I could hear the parts of the song and I would have to write out according to my stickers on my keyboard <laughs> in order for the, for the musicians to be able to play it, to teach the parts to the, mm -hmm. to the singers. Lots of challenging things that I had to just do. I had to get through a recovery. I had to manage my anxiety. Uh, I had to step up and learn for the first time really how to hear from God, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but I learned in those first few days that even though I couldn't read my Bible or I couldn't pray, I didn't feel like I could at that time. Mm -hmm. I would turn on a song and it was, it would be a restoration song, a, a worship song to God about brokenness. And 60 seconds later, I'm out of bed and I'm getting ready for wow. the day. And so I used that tool until I could get to a, a place where I could get closer to him. Well, you kind of, uh, an, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask, but that very first day, uh, you know, you're talking about, you got to kind of kick yourself out of bed. What was that like going to something you, A, knew you weren't qualified to do, or you didn't think you were qualified to do? B, you felt no comfort at all. And C, you're still in depression, right? <laughs> severe depression and not e not even really even dealing with it yet. It was severely overwhelming to where it almost took my breath. 
um, I, I struggle with anxiety. So what do you think it did to my anxiety? It kicked it up. Yeah. But I just kept, you know, I had a mission to find songs for that week. And I just kept focusing it and just surrounding myself with those worship songs. And it not only gave me peace, but it brought back my breath to where I could breathe for the next second. Right. Mm, yeah. And um, I, God was with me. You know, I really know this, the, story behind the scripture that God is always near the brokenhearted because mm. at that point I was severely broken yeah. and uh, he was with me and it was, I felt like I just nudged ahead just step by step, not even knowing what I was doing, but God gave me such guidance and such peace. And the first time on that platform, I felt such healing. It was almost addicting. Wow. Um, it was such a feeling. I had not felt that throughout my entire recovery. And I felt like God touched me from that very first time. And um, it kept me going. And it was a training ground for what I'm doing now. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know he was going to direct my path. Yeah. So so you made it through your first Sunday. Did you have to start over again the next Sunday with the same, with the <laughs> same kind of, okay, here we go again? Or was it, like you said, that addiction of being, that, that attraction, I guess I'd rather use, of being on, you know, filled on the stage? Did that propel you forward? Or was it another... Okay, here we go again. Yeah, for a long time it was here we go again. And then I would get so focused on the music that, you know, by that time I felt more strength by the time the weekend came and we were able to successfully do another another weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, I I feel sorry for those people because I know in the beginning I was a mess. I was completely um a wreck. But you know what? When I was at my weakest, he met me and he gave me strength and powerful things happened in those services. Even though I was weak, it was God that did it. Well, one of the things that I hoped to, to accomplish by starting this podcast is to talk about the importance of community and how that kind of helped carries us along. And you had, you just mentioned two different community things. One is your pastor saying, listen, you need to do this. And two is the grace of your congregation saying, you know, we know you're hurting but we're here because this is an us thing and this is us helping you through this time. Yeah. Um, the, the church, there were certain members of the church that did help me tremendously. Other members of the church, not, not so much. Huh. We, we have a pro and, and I talk about this on the road. Churches have a problem with being so faith-based mm. and that that's not always a good thing because here's what you get. They, people think that, that everyone should grieve or, go through a storm in the same process. And it doesn't always happen that way. Right, right. And I would get things like, are you still grieving? Well, it's been a year. Well, I just really started, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not through this yet. Or they would say, well, you're just not praying enough or you just don't have enough faith. And I had, God had to really show me that some, there's some cir circumstances and situations that are beyond faith and beyond prayer that, you know, the scripture says that uh, your burden will be light if you'll just give that yoke to him. Yeah. And it's so hard to do with people like me who are just control freaks and want to take it right back out of his hands. Mm -hmm. But um, there's things in this world that are too much for us to bear. Yeah. Absolutely. But when we give it to God, he carries that load. And I, I'm glad that those that those words were spoken to me in the church house because it made me depend upon God and he showed me a different way. 
Yeah. You know, I wasn't depending necessarily on people. So I had community, but I had people helping propel me and people that did not propel me so far. So yeah, the good and the bad of community. Yeah. Yeah. People are just human. They want to say something, they want to help. And sometimes the things that come out of their mouth are, are the wrong things, especially if they've never walked your road. Yeah. Well, and, and I've heard this stated a number of times. The problem with the church is it's made up of broken people. <laughs> yes. And broken people hurt. Yeah. Make broken people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they hurt. Yeah. But God carried you through that. And, and as I read your bio, you talked about through this process, you actually not only started looking for songs, but you actually started writing songs, right? Yeah. So, uh, I, that the church actually fell apart. Uh, the, the pastor fell apart and it, it, it just wasn't a happy ending at, at that church for anybody. Mm. The church is in, is, is not in existence anymore. But I remember being on the floor one night when, uh, it was all falling apart and I prayed and I said, God, I don't know what you want for me. I'm not going to go out and look for another music minister's position. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but, I feel like you have more. And the next day, that next morning, a guy that we would bring in for choir clinics and teaching new songs from Nashville texted me and said, have you ever thought about doing a CD? Mm. And I said, did you know that everything's falling apart here? And he said, I had no idea, but God put you on my heart early this morning. Mm. So I knew that that was my answer. I didn't know why we were doing a CD, but I knew it had to be a restoration CD to help someone make it through a trial. And at that point, I didn't think I had any ability to write a song. And we pulled all these writers and my, the producer said, you know, we, we may get one or two. Well, we got 30 songs oh, and wow. every single one of them were restoration. So I picked the songs that I felt would help me through the beginning of a trial to the end yeah. and that I related to. And that was the first CD called I Made It Through. And wow. uh, things progressed from there. From then on, I was a songwriter in the second, third, and now fourth project that's about to come out. Well, and then at some point, uh, you your music got noticed by the people or by Michael W. Smith himself, and that opened a door for you to tour with him for a while, right? It did. So uh, my CD came out and, you know, with not not really a big splash because no one knew who I was or my music. And a guy that we own our own businesses and a guy that works for us sent my music to someone who sent it to someone. Uh -huh. And this big manager in New York called and he said, I've been in the pop rock world for decades and I don't know if I can help you, but I feel something in your music. And I said, well, let's just pray about it. Uh -huh. So six weeks goes by and he doesn't think about me, but his dad was dying of cancer and he left a family function and he's driving and my song just started playing on his phone. He cannot explain it. Uh -huh. And he calls me on Father's Day and he says, I feel like I'm on the side of the road crying and I feel like God wants me to help you. And I said, that's our answer. Huh. So we made God is in, God is always in the details uh, yeah. uh, of everybody's story. And so we made the agreement on Father's Day. And three weeks later, he calls and says, do you want to open for Michael W. Smith? <laughs> well, my anxiety just went through the roof yeah. and I got hy hyperventilated. And I said, I don't have a band. I've never sang these songs live. Uh, no, I'm about to pass out. <laughs> and he said, well, let's just pray about it. And he said, it's October 3rd. And I about fell out of my chair and I said, I'll do it. And he says, well, don't we need to pray about it? And I said, that's my dad's birthday. Oh. And I said, I know that God knows I have such anxiety 
that um, if this is the direction I need to go in, he makes it personal. And I know that. And so by hearing it was my dad's birthday, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prepare and God will just have to meet me the rest of the way. And so my very first concert was on the biggest stage I've ever been on with no Michael kidding. W. Smith. Uh, and it was a night, an absolute night to remember. And my music ministry really started from there. Wow. That was your very first time ever performing your stuff solo in front of a crowd. Ever. And you're opening for Michael. On my dad's birthday. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely a, a direction of God saying, hey, this is something that you should pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. He, he he knows how stubborn I am and he knows that my anxiety will always tell me to stay to say no when I get too overwhelmed. So my my journey has been very, very personal. Uh, he's been in the details and then and it's helped me to know which direction to walk. Well, and then in your bio, again, you were talking about a section of your life where you were having some nerve issues, um, some physical trauma. And and you had an album that was kind of born out of that, right? Yeah, so that was the uh, that was the last album, the third album that came out called Warrior. Uh, we ha let me back up a second. We sure. had a second album called We Will Rise, which was really the second chapter of my recovery. Each album has been a, a chapter of my recovery, which has been really cool. Yeah, uh, making it through a trial is different than rising above a trial. Mm -hmm. um, you have to take what you've learned and help other people in order to truly rise above and thrive in Christ, not mm -hmm. just survive. And so uh, we did a third album called Warrior. And um, I didn't have a, a vision like I did on the second. I had a, a it's a whole story in itself about what happened of, of how to get the direction of the second album. And so the third album comes along and I didn't have inspiration. And we go in and write five songs in four in one day and four songs the next day. Wow. And um Every song, my husband said, you know, you didn't think you had vision for this album, but every every song on this album is an, a song of strength and overcoming. And I said, that's exactly where I feel like I'm at my recovery. So we had one more song to write. Uh, it was a nine song album at that point, not finished. And I had had a wreck um, 20 years ago. A drunk driver had hit us from behind and fled the scene. And I had severe neck damage. and they didn't know what was wrong with me. I've had problems all these years, different things. And they finally figured out like, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago, uh, that it's something called thoracic outlet syndrome, hmm. where uh, your collarbone is moved out of place and it's up underneath your, uh, or your first rib is, and it's up underneath your collarbone. And it's, it was smashing all of my nerves and yeah. arteries and all of that. So we had to get have surgery for that. And they had to take out my rib, which was a really cool thing. My husband asked for it and told him the whole Adam and Eve story. <laughs> so did he get it? So the, yes. The dog, I left the hospital with that bone that's in my safe right now. Cause I don't want my dogs getting a hold of oh, it. How funny. Yeah. So that's a whole story in itself. Yeah. But, um, I was, it was such a hard recovery. It was a six month of just severe, severe pain. I've never been through anything like that. And because um, the nerves are reawakening after 20 years of yeah. being, you know, compromised. So I was, you know, I would, I would have to just live in a, in a hot bathtub all throughout the night. Mm. And this was going on like the 10th or 12th night. And I was just bawling. I was so worn out and so tired. And I just 
grabbed my phone and I started typing and we wrote a song called surrender and it, it had that last 10th song was birthed out of my, my re physical recovery of yeah. that surgery. Yeah. Wow. Well, as I was reading your story, the thing that really stuck out to me was that, um, here you are dealing with some tough, tough stuff. None of it really is your fault, but, but God is calling you to this ministry in the midst of some really difficult, tough stuff. Yeah. I, I think about your obedience to that call and you're getting through this as part of your recovery. I mean, you've kind of stated that, but it takes something to say, okay, I am willing to deal with this pain, deal with this struggle and do what you're asking me to, Lord. Was that something that was a very conscious effort, or was it just kind of a defense mechanism that you said, okay, we'll, we'll get rolling? It was kind of defensive, really. Uh, it was, I was so worn down and felt like I didn't, I mean, I, I have an awesome husband and two awesome kids, but the devil had just convinced me that I wasn't worth anything and that the world would be a better place without me. I was at rock bottom yeah. and I had such desperation. There was still a fight in me that wanted to fight for my life, but I was so worn down and I was so tired. And, um, it was God giving that man the right words to say at that exact perfect moment yeah. that got through to my skull because he kept calling and I kept <laughs> turning him down. He could not get through. Right. Yeah. But I got to a place where he told me just to hush so that I could listen. And God does that. God, I think constantly talks to us, but we don't listen. Mm -hmm. And, um, he just said the right things and I was so desperate and it just sparked a fight that I wasn't ready to give up. Yeah. And so, um, that, that knowing how scary that road was going to be for me, um, God did it in just little increments, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't so overwhelming once I gave it to him. So as I'm hearing you share your story, I'm thinking that there may be people listening right now who are just overwhelmed. And it could be that they're on the verge of saying, you know, life just isn't worth it. I'm going to end it all. Or it could be that I don't know how to make my marriage work anymore. I mean, who knows what the angst is in people's lives, but you've, right. you've lived through this. What kind of encouragement would you give to somebody who's just in the middle of this? Maybe they're curled up in a fetal position, sucking their thumb even, you know, because life is just not worth it anymore. What would you say to somebody like that? You know, it's such a lie of the devil and so many, t my problem here was my problem. I had been raised in religion and my anchor was to religion and not directly to God. It was through works really mm. all my life. And I felt like I, because of the things that I spoke and how I acted and all the circumstance and, and whatever that I'd gotten so far away from God that he just didn't love me anymore. And the thing that turned me around completely got in the midst of um, this music minister's position, he, it wasn't even Easter, but he, he put on my heart about the cross and he put on my heart about just do a, a search, Google a search about the different types of love. And so I'm reading the different types of love and it, it's something that 
Christians make so hard, but it's so easy. There is nothing that we can do to cause God to love us any less or any more than he already does. Isn't that incredible? That's, yeah. That's his true agape love. And yeah. it, it really is that simple. We can't disappoint him so much that he doesn't love us anymore, or we can't buy his love with works. Mm. He, it's like the prodigal son coming back. He's yeah. just so happy that you've turned to him. He's right there no matter how far you run from him. You turn around and he's right there, but we have to have the courage to give it to him. And it starts with just turning around and saying, God, I'm sorry for, for how I've been acting, but I love you with all of my heart and such peace and such love will embrace you that his love will get you through. It's, it's greater than anything else you can imagine. And it's such a simple thing, but I think people, they get bogged down through guilt. And yeah. they get bogged down through how much time away from God that they've been. Um, but it doesn't matter to him. It yeah. doesn't matter. He just picks up where you've left off. God, if you're listening and you're going through something today, God loves you so much. And it may seem so overwhelming and the storm may seem to be all around you, but there can be peace in the midst of the storm. And it's through your, your speech and it's through what you feed your mind. The scripture says that we have the power of life and death in our speech. That's how powerful it is. The moment something negative comes out of your mouth is when that negative seed plants into your mind and it takes over. If you can nip it in the bud immediately when the negative emotion or the negative word comes out of your mouth, then you you've won the battle if you can win it between your two ears. So I, I used to write down scriptures on my arm. I used to put it on a piece of paper in the, in my back pocket and I would pull them out. Like fear was the biggest emotion that I dealt with. And so my scripture was, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but he's given me peace, love, and a sound mind. And I, that's what I needed was a sound mind. And I may would have to read that scripture every five seconds, mm -hmm. but I was training my mind with his word. It's where my mind would almost go into autopilot after a while. And the moment I would speak his word, or hear a worship song that I would have on my phone ready to play, um, there would be such peace. And that peace may only last for a few seconds and I may have to keep doing it, but yeah. I got better and better at it. So if you can surround yourself with at least one scripture of what you're dealing with and just repeat it over and over and over, you can get through life breath by breath. Yeah. We were just talking with uh, an old time Jesus music guy who had been through a tough situation um, and was having a hard time forgiving somebody and came across the scripture that said, bless those who persecute you. And he started out by just saying, Lord, bless that person's health. I hope he gets sick and dies. Lord, bless his financials. I hope he goes bankrupt. And he would do this for a minute every day. And pretty soon it was a true, Lord, bless this person, help him be healthy. Lord, bless this person, right. provide his needs. And that little glimpse of positive words like you were saying, changed the course of his life and freed him up to be able to really fully experience what God had for him. And that's exactly what you're saying too. It's exactly right. He wants us to get past our situation. It's not about us. If we can give it to him, then we can focus on something else. And um, it's, it's your speech. It's um, if you've got a spouse that you're having problems with, pray for that sp spouse uh, before you start complaining to God about how you feel. Always start with thankfulness. Yeah. And um, 
what does the scripture say? You enter into his gates with thanksgiving, but into his courts with praise. Yeah. That tells me that you have to start with thanksgiving and then the praise will, will start after that. And um, it, it really does turn your, turn your mind around. Yeah. Well, before we pushed record, you said you're kind of in the middle of a new project and you've got another album coming out. Of course, we talked about Warrior, but you had a Christmas album that came out in 2020. <laughs> uh, but now you've got this new project. What is, what is the, this new project shaping up to look like? You know, 2020, of course, was awful for everyone and yeah. it slowed down, completely <laughs> incapacitated the entertainment industry. So I decided to just use my time wisely and almost bit off too much that I could chew. Uh -oh. um, we, we hit a bucket list item of a Christmas album coming out this past year, which was great. It absolutely was just such a happy album. And then uh, we worked on our fourth project. So the first project I making it through a trial. The second one's rising above. The third one is overcoming and being a warrior. And this album is kind of along the same lines. We're actually going to call it Stand. Mm -hmm. We have a song that, that we put out last year ahead of time, right when the pandemic hit, um, to just give strength and courage, you know, Christians and anyone that would hear it in the midst of the darkness, that they can be a light in the midst of the darkness. So much darkness. So little light. can burn so bright we've heard the call the time is now with every heartbeat
So we're going to call this album Stand. And one theme that is coming out of it is that it is the songs are faith, encouraging, and empowering uh, songs to be an over overcomer. Same theme almost as the last album, because I think people need to be reminded um, that we there, there will be trials in our life that we have to overcome all the time, but we need to overcome them, learn from them, and help others along the way. And that is the system that God has put into place for healing. Yeah. And are you working with Ian Esklin again on this project? Absolutely. I think we are we are <laughs> partners for life in this thing. We uh, we've almost become family. We um, when we get together, God just meets us there, and it just absolutely blows my mind every time the talent that God has placed upon Ian. Yeah, and the anointing too. You can feel it in his music. So when is this project scheduled to release? I know we've got some unknown with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, but when are we looking to have Stand come out to the world? I've got one song that we are writing this week called Storm, and it's it's going to be a song that's going to give people peace and how they can have peace in the midst of their storm. And that that's my 10th song, and then we've got a bonus uh, Warrior uh, live, okay. uh, live version of Warrior. And um, it's going to come out, I, th I believe, in May. They are setting the date as we speak, but I think it's been pushed to May. Natasha, one of the things that we do every Saturday, I send out a prayer newsletter um, asking folks to be praying about uh, and for artists. What can we be praying for you uh, in the days and weeks ahead? You know, when we are, the, the past eight years have been the most rewarding thing I've ever done, but it's been the hardest thing I've ever done because we're on the front lines of ministry, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're out helping people and helping to save people. And the devil doesn't like that. And so anytime a new project uh, is slated or anything is happening, starting to happen in the music, uh, the devil comes against us. And uh, we just have to remind ourselves where it's coming from and uh, that that God is more powerful than that and that He's going to guide us through. But it does get this little distractions along the way. So if you guys could just pray for not only me, but everyone that's on the front lines out there in ministry. Um, as the world gets with less love and more turmoil, um, it gets harder for us to do what we need to do. And we just need to be reminded that we are a light in the midst of the darkness and that we are protected. And um, so if you know, it's not easy to do what we're doing, but we love it. And we, we know that we are the mouthpiece of, of God out there and that he just needs hands and feet to do his work, right? I'm really grateful to Natasha for sharing her story today. It was a great reminder to me about the importance of loving each other, the importance of someone who is there for me to help listen or cry or just not be alone when the whole world seems to be in turmoil. We don't have to have the answers per se. In fact, sometimes it's best that we don't have answers, except for maybe, I'm here, let's hang out, or let's just be together in this situation. This is often the place that healing can begin in other people's depression and pain, knowing that they don't have to go through it alone. Now, of course, we know that God will take care of us and can provide that healing, but sometimes when you're in the thick of it, it just feels like that's kind of a platitude or just a nice Christianese thing to say. 
And so I believe that God asks us to be his hands, his arms, his shoulders to cry on for each other. He wants us to come alongside and help each other, much like Natasha's pastor did for her. I hope you'll hear Natasha's story as a challenge for you to be available to encourage and love those around you. I appreciate Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 that says, Let us think of ways to encourage one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together, but encourage one another. I'm confident that God has someone in mind for you to encourage, to support, to befriend, to just be there in their time of need. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website, ChristianMusicArchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>